get started this morning. Trying to make sure I got everybody. Are you glad you're here? Amen. Hey, goodness. Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I seen some of y'all on Miss Lucy's row, and y'all in here. I understand. Our class is that much better. Hey, I go in there for a prayer room, and uh, I, I see her roll every morning sitting right there. So I see all the people that she stole from my class. And then I see she got people on there that still come to my class because they know what class is better. So she's lying. Is everybody all right? Miss Lucy's a liar. <laughs> uh, anyhow, trying to make it all out. Her farm report. <clears throat> God help her. Uh, all right, let's get uh, let's get going with some announcements, and uh, we'll look into Hebrews chapter number four. Hey, Miss Carrie, I didn't realize you was up there. I missed you on the. Uh, hey, Miss Brenda, Miss Brenda's here. Uh, there's two I missed on the thing, man. We got like hundreds of people here. No, all right, upcoming events. Don't forget about the adopt a child for Christmas. Those items are due today, so if you have not got them in, today is your deadline, all right? Now, that doesn't mean that if you didn't bring them this morning, you can't bring them later, all right? So just, uh, just a friendly reminder, uh, if you were signed up to do that, uh, then today is your uh, is a deadline on that, all right? So, uh, if you will, get those uh, gifts in, and uh, we'll get the kids taken care of with that. Also... Uh, let's see, uh, our Calvary ornament, uh, we started selling them Wednesday night, and uh, you're welcome to get one of those, please do, and uh, we get these, and uh, like I said, uh, my family even gets these, I buy them from my family, they always say, I'll pay you back, but they never do, y'all know how that goes, right, uh, but anyhow, uh, my mom, my sister, and all of them get one, so uh, this is just a cool little neat thing put on your Christmas tree. Uh, but uh, we have them, uh, good night, I think they date back to like 2017 or 2018. Um, I don't think we have all the years available anymore as people buy them up if they haven't got the set. But I do think there's some from last year. And then, uh, of course, these, uh, they're $12 a piece. Uh, that's what we pay for them. So uh, we're not trying to make any money off of you or anything like that. Uh, that's how much, it get, uh, how much it costs us to have an ornament. Uh, made and uh, personalized. So uh, anyhow, it's $12 at the Welcome Center, and you can grab one of those, throw it on the tree, save it, and uh, collect them, and uh, you'll have all kind of years uh, here from Calvary, all right? Uh, Rock and Cheer service is December the 21st, and uh, just a reminder uh, to join us on that night. It's real informal. We just have a good time. Um, give away a lot of candy as place will be packed and uh, there'll be a lot of kids in here and everything else uh, there's no need to be alarmed they'll probably uh, in, they'll end up up here on the uh, platform so uh, if you come in and it's like man this is full 
Don't turn around and leave because it won't be long and we'll have all the kids up here on the platform and in the choir loft and all of that and uh, we'll have a lot of empty seats out there. So uh, we, we have a good time with this with the youngins and uh, we give away candy to the kids and uh, it doesn't last very long. Uh, it takes longer to give out the candy than really what it does anything else and we'll probably have the kids sing a little bit and uh, they'll get up here after all this practice and everything else and not... You know, you know how it goes, all right? I'll be looking at y'all instead of singing, all right? But anyhow, uh, it's a good time. And then our Christmas service will be on the 25th. That's on Christmas Day. One service that day, 1030, no Sunday school, no discipleship that night. And so uh, anyhow, if you will, uh, get prepared for that. No discipleship on the first either. Uh, so that holidays, uh, the holidays are both uh, just be uh, Sunday morning services. Uh, January the 1st, we will be having Sunday school, but uh, uh, we won't on, the, on Christmas Day. Um, let me see. Uh, I will go ahead and let everybody know that uh, I think uh, Christmas Day, after the service, me and Michelle's leaving, so we'll be gone for that week. Uh, but uh, we should be back. Uh, we'll be back for sure on the 1st. And uh, I may come back Wednesday night, uh, depending on uh, Dalton and, and everybody else. So uh, anyhow, looking forward to the holiday season. How many of y'all are? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Y'all looking forward to it about like I am, all right? But anyhow, uh, <clears throat> it, it, it's funny when we're young how excited we get about Christmas. And then when we get old, it's like... Lord, do we have to go through this again? And uh, anyhow, but uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we're looking forward to it, and uh, we're going to go home and see some family. Michelle ain't seen her daddy in quite a while, and uh, I ain't been to my mama's in quite a while, so we're going to go see them around Christmas time. And uh, so my mama will leave me alone and stop all the griping and complaining about how I never come to see her. Is everybody all right? She won't ever come see me either. Hey, y'all do know that stuff's like it's a, it, it's a two-way street, right? All right. Except when you get in Kentucky. And uh, let me tell y'all about this. So I have been in Kentucky twice hunting, and we strike out at like 4 o'clock in the morning. Well, they got roads over in Kentucky that's one lane, and cars travel on it both ways. Is everybody all right? Y'all think I'm kidding, but I am not. And so we're riding through there, and I was with EJ the first time, and we're 5 o'clock in the morning running 65 miles an hour down this road, top of a hill, and there's a car topping the hill with us. Is everybody all right? I'm pretty sure I cussed, and we, shoo, we went across that. Well, this time Malcolm Carter was with us, the preacher that we had in. I told Malcolm, I said, we were going, we left out 5 o'clock in the morning, and uh, maybe earlier than that, and, man, it was dark and everything, and the guy that was driving cannot drive. I mean, this guy, listen to me. I got out of the truck and puked. Uh, that is not a lie. My hand before God, that's how bad this guy was at driving, all right? And uh, he wanted to take me for a ride in his Corvette. I'm like, no. I, I don't want to ride with you in a golf cart, all right? Much less anything else. But anyhow, uh, uh, so we're riding this morning, that morning, and, man, he's throwing me and Malcolm around in the back of that truck. We sit back there, and Malcolm said, good Lord, these people in Kentucky don't know how to drive. I said, I know it, man. I said, wait till we, we're running down this road 70 miles an hour with a trailer, with uh, uh, four-wheelers and everything else. And I said, wait till we top one of these hills, and there's a car coming up the other way. And Malcolm looked at me. He said, tell me you're not serious. 
I said, oh, oh yeah, I'm real serious. About that time, woo, <laughs> it happens just like that. The guy was like, see, that wasn't even close. I said, his name was Jim. I seen it on his tag on his shirt when we went by. I am not kidding, y'all. I'm not kidding. It's like a dirt road that they just paved, and they just figured that people's going to be smart enough to drive safely on, and they're not. And uh, there's not any smart people from Kentucky. Is anybody from Kentucky in there? And so, anyhow, that guy was hilarious. We got out of his truck, and I'm over there puking, and he said, hey, man, you want to ride in my Corvette? No, dude, I don't. I, I, I told him, but EJ and all of them standing right here, I will never ride with you again. I'll walk, to, I'll walk 40 miles to the deer stand before I'll get back in the truck with you again, all right? But anyhow, all right, let's take a look at Hebrews chapter number four. And uh, once again, thank you all for being here. We appreciate you coming. And uh, I hope you uh, uh, found a warm welcome already this morning. And uh, looking forward to having some church here in a little bit. We're going to go back to what we've already looked at and, uh, and then come ahead into... Uh, I don't know that we'll get to chapter number five. I'm not in no hurry to get there, but if we get there, we can uh, go through some of that. But uh, I really want to look at chapter number four. We ended last week, I think I read the whole chapter, because there wasn't but a few verses left, but I'm pretty sure we stuck around verse number 12. And so uh, we'll look at verse number 12 again, and uh, just to give you some context and some background, up until verse number 12, we've been talking about a place of rest uh, this rest was a uh, comparison. It was a comparison between Old Testament rest, which was the land of Canaan, and a new rest, a rest that is to come, and that is Jesus Christ. And so the writer here gives us uh, this info and expectation of a rest to come. And he's going to give us a ways and a means of why we have that rest here in just a few moments. But in verse number 12, he comes to this uh, verse and he says one, a very important verse, a very well-known verse. But in verse number 12 of Hebrews chapter number 4, if you're there, say amen. All right, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so last week, I think we spent pretty much the whole uh, 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 time together in Sunday school talking about uh, the importance of the Word of God and how it works. We talked about it is quick, it is alive, that means it's live. It's powerful, that means it's active, if you remember. Not only is it alive, but it is actively working in us, all right? And how is it doing that? It's cutting things out out of us that has no business being in there. And so it's working. It's a two-edged sword. It does not have a dull side. That means anytime, everybody listen up to this, all right, because you really need to know this and you really need to ingrain, this needs to become a part of your thought process every single day and every time you come to church. The Bible says that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. That means that it cuts going in and it cuts coming out. There's never a time that the Word of God is not preached or spoken that it does not have an effect on you and I. Is everybody all right? Uh, we put a lot of emphasis on the person delivering the message. But the fact of the matter is the importance is the message. And the message is the Bible. And anything added to that, is everybody all right? Um, 
We have a lot of preachers today that like to read one verse and then preach something completely different from the, from the Bible. All right. What we try to do here, what I try to teach these guys here is that we stick to the Bible. Why? Because the Bible is what is the power and it has a power that it will cut in and it'll cut out and it divides asunder. In other words, it is something that brings us to a decision. And uh, anyhow, so the, the writer here puts an importance on the Word of God. And in verse number 13, he says this, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. And once again, I think we, talk, we may have talked about this, we may not have, but uh, the point is here is that there is not one person that God doesn't know everything about. There's not one person that the Word of God won't affect everything about that person. And so neither is there any creature that is manifest, that is not manifest in the sight. In other words, there's nothing hidden. There's nobody that's hidden. No matter what you do, no matter how you live, it is not hidden from God. And it says, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And so uh, anyhow, once again, we are talking about God, we're talking about Christ, and there is nothing that is uh, hidden from Him. All right, now why is that important? Because in the next few verses, we're going to be told that we can boldly come to Him. All right, for most people, when they know that you know something about them, (laughs) they hide. I need somebody to help me. Uh, You know that, you've experienced in your own life, uh, when you know something about somebody and they know that you know about that, oftentimes it leads to a break in fellowship, right? Ever had somebody do you wrong, they lie behind your back or whatever, and the truth comes out and it's all found out and then they're no longer around. Y'all help me. I got three people saying, yeah, I know what I'm talking. Have y'all ever experienced that? You get in a situation, it may be with your family, it may be with a co-worker, it may be with somebody else, uh, but you find out that you've been deceived, you find out that things was going on, and then all of a sudden, you find it all comes to light, and the first thing that happens is, they don't want to be around you anymore. And uh, uh, I told, uh, uh, I used to say this all the time, uh, but a guilty conscience will make a coward out of a man. When a man knows he's done you wrong... He won't come and talk to you. He won't stand face to face with you. He'll avoid you at all costs. All right? And this is the thought. Now, this is, I know we're dealing with people, and I know we're thinking on an on a, uh, earthly level, uh, but this is preparing us, all right? This is what the writer is saying. God knows what you've done to him. God knows how you have transgressed against him. God knows how you have deceitfully gone around him. Is everybody all right? Now, this ain't something to make us mad, and it ain't something to scare you, okay? Because we still have access to God boldly. We can come boldly, and we're fixing to be told that, all right, in uh, verse number 14, uh, uh, 15, and 16. So in verse number 14, we're told in verse number 13 that we, 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 there's nothing hidden that we're all made manifest before God. And then in verse number 14, we're not really introduced, but we're reacquainted with Jesus as our high priest. 
Okay? Now, in the first chapter, we're told that he is God. We're, taught, we're presented Jesus as deity. In the second chapter, we're presented to Jesus as, uh, uh, as a human. We're told that not only has he, uh, is he a deity, not only is he God, but he is all points man, right? But at the end of chapter number two, uh, I believe it's uh, close to the last cha- uh, verse. Um, let me see here. Here, verse 17, not quite the last verse. So it says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. In chapter number 3, verse number 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. So in chapter number two and chapter number three, uh, and that, that, by the way, chapter number two, verse 17, and chapter number three, verse number one is only separated by one verse, all right? And that's verse 18 of chapter two. Point being is this, we're introduced to Jesus as our high priest in chapter two. But in chapter number three right here, or chapter, excuse me, chapter number four, which is where we're at this morning, in verse number 14, we are reintroduced, okay? And we're given some more information about this high priest. Now, this is going to stick with us for quite a while, so stay stay up with me, if you will. So seeing then that we have a, somebody say it with me, great, is everybody with me? Let's say it again. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. And so things have changed. Now we're introduced to him as a high priest back in chapter number two. Chapter number three, verse one. Once again, we're told that he's our apostle and our high priest. Now we're told that he's a great high priest. I don't mean the mothers to you. You're like, yeah, I know that. I understand that. But you have to understand to these writers, they didn't, or excuse me, to the ones that are being written to in the book of Hebrews right here, they didn't have the knowledge that you and I have. They hadn't read the book of Hebrews. This was them getting a letter and Paul, which I believe Paul wrote it. Anyhow, if if that offends you or anything like that, just bear with me. We do not know who wrote the book of Hebrews. It is assumed that it was possibly Paul. I believe that it was possibly Paul. We will move on from that. But seeing then that we have a great high priest, these people were very, they understood the office of a high priest. But this was different. All right, they understood the office of a high priest in an earthly manner. All they'd ever been around, they had been around this their entire life, everything they'd ever learned about. They'd go all the way back to Moses and go all the way back to Aaron, and they knew that the high priest was one that was appointed by God, and it started off in Aaron's family, who was part of Kohath, which was part of a Levites, and only the Levites could be priests, and Aaron was a part of the Levites in the Kohath families, K-O-H-A-T-H. But anyhow, God appointed that the high priest had to come directly from his family. As they moved on through the years, it had been politicized, and by the time Jesus came along, there was no longer uh, the line of Aaron that was the high priest. Uh, Now it was politicized, and now uh, uh, they were appointing or directing high priests. So when the writer writes this and he tells them that there is a high priest and his name is Jesus Christ, now he's telling them that he is a great high priest. 
In other words, take the high priest and put him on steroids and you got Jesus. Is everybody all right? They're telling him he's much better than what you are accustomed to and what you have knowledge of. He's great. All right, stay with me. That is passed into the heavens. All right, that is passed into the heavens. Now he's given more information. First he tells them that it's a great high priest, but now he's telling them this one didn't die. And though he did die, he didn't stay dead. All right, how about that? All right, so that is passed into the heavens. This had the meaning of this. The writer is telling them that not only was Jesus Christ the high priest, and not only is he a great high priest, but he's still working today. He's passed into the heavens. He's not dead. He's passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. So here we are, we have the writer telling us that there is a high priest, that high priest is a great high priest, and that he, though he died, he is passed into the heavens. Now we're going to learn more about this in chapter number five. We're going to learn a great deal more about it in chapter number seven. In chapter number five, we're going to be told that, and, and, and let, me, let me say it this way, because they had the knowledge that the high priest was going to come from the Levites, then the writer had to explain why Jesus was a high priest. Because he came from what family? Don't all say it at once. No, well, Jacob, yes. But (laughs) one of Jacob's sons, one of the 12. What tribe? Judah, hallelujah. All right, y'all got that's praise, by the way. But anyhow, uh, that's another story. But anyhow, for them to understand, he had to explain how Jesus could now be the high priest when he wasn't a Levite. Okay, and so he'll do that in chapter number five and he'll tell us that Jesus Christ was a high priest after the order of Mechizedek. All right, we'll read that in chapter number five. We'll get a good understanding of it in chapter number seven. But right now we're in chapter number four. How many of y'all are glad we're in chapter number four? All right, so uh, here he is. The writer's telling them that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. He's no longer here on earth, but he is still working on our behalf. Jesus, the Son of God. So with that knowledge, let us hold fast our profession. In other words, stand fast. Keep the faith. Don't lose heart, all right? All right, now, why would he say that to him? Come on, y'all help me. Y'all talk while I drink coffee. That Brooke, my favorite member, provided for me. Don't all speak at once. Y'all are just, y'all are oozing with enthusiasm. Persecution, no, but, but that's good. That's a good, that's a good try though. I like it. At least you said something. Rest, everybody else is just sitting here. <sighs> Scared. Go back to 13. Go back to verse number 13. <laughs> hey, all right. What's the first part of that? Come on, y'all. We're learning something today. All right, we're going to learn it. Because he knows. Yeah. All right. Does anybody, did anybody catch that other than Melissa? He knows everything about us. There's nothing hidden. There's not anything hidden from him. All right. And so he is a great high priest 
who is still working on our behalf. Verse number 14. He's a great high priest, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Why would he say that? Because when you find out that somebody knows everything about you, what do you do? You hide. Come on, y'all, get with me on this. Y'all understand, this is our nature. Have you ever done anybody wrong? Raise your hand. Don't lie. I've done people wrong, all right? Don't lie. I have done somebody wrong. It's not so easy to face them after you've done that. All right? Now, why do you keep stressing that, preacher? Because that's the strategy that Satan uses to keep you from your high priest. Yes, he knows everything about you. Yes, there's absolutely nothing that you have done that is hidden from him. And so Satan, knowing this, will use it effectively against you. Why? Because our nature is to hide. Our nature is to avoid. When somebody finds out that we have done something wrong, our nature is to avoid them. So we're being told that the word of God is quick, alive, it's alive, it, it, it's powerful, it, it, it's actively working, it's dividing apart, it's separating the soul and the spirit. In other words, it is reaching into who we really are. It's reaching into who we really are. And nothing that is in us, nothing that we have done, nothing that is hidden down inside where nobody else can see it, is hidden from Him. Amen. A problem was created. <laughs> because now everybody's going, well, if He knows what I was thinking. Y'all seeing what I'm doing right now? If he, how many of y'all seen the Homer Simpson going into the bushes? Yeah, yeah. I'd like, what? what? That's our nature. Our nature is when the spotlight is put on to something that we've done wrong, to a sin, our nature. That's why when somebody sins and it becomes publicly known, the first place they abandon is the church. Say, bless God, that's because of all the gossip in the church. No, it's because of the nature that's within us. Because I promise you this, there's more gossip that goes on in Walmart than what goes on in this church. There's more gossip that goes on in the place you get your hair cut, some of us, and... and <clears throat> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I look right back at Sheldon, I'm thinking, he ain't never sat in a barber chair. But anyhow, there's more. <laughs> hey, I, I know. How do you know? My mom's a hairdresser. My mom has a sign. I go to see my mama, and, I, and, and my mama has a sign on her mirror right there, and it says, it says this. It says, I do not repeat gossip, so listen closely the first time. 
That's what my mama, that's, that's a sign that's on my mama's uh, a mirror right there, all right? Uh, a woman been saved since 1983, and she's got a big old sign up there. I do not repeat gossip, so listen closely the first time, all right? The fact is, is that it's not because somebody might talk about you. It's because something has been revealed. Something has been manifest. Something has come to light. And we don't want to face the fact that somebody might know everything about us or everything about that situation. Now, when it comes to God, we're not just talking about actions. Go back to verse number 12. I'm, so, I'm sorry, we're getting somewhere, I promise. Well, maybe, uh, we, we there, you just ain't got it yet. But anyhow, it says this, and is a discerner of the and it didn't say the actions of my hands. It didn't say the actions of my feet. It didn't say the actions of my past. It says that this word is so powerful and it is so alive that it literally knows what I'm thinking. It discerns my very thoughts and it, in, it discerns my intentions why I'm doing what I'm doing. All right, now let's go back to verse number 14. <laughs> Oh my goodness, verse number 12 and verse number 13 done opened up a can of worms. And now verse number 14, 15, and 16's got to fix what verse number 12 and verse number 13 did. Does everybody understand where I'm going with this? So we've been exposed in verse number 12 and verse number 13. Verse number 13, we've been exposed to the point that he says there's nothing naked, there's nothing, there's nothing that's not manifested. Any creature... All right. He tells us how that's done, and that's through God's word. Then he comes to verse number 14, and he says, but we have a high priest that is actively working on our part. Now, what was the role of the high priest in the Old Testament? Do I now? He made sacrifices. Okay. He went to the holies of holies. So he made, the, he made the, the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, but that wasn't all he did. He was an intercessor. Thank you. He was an intercessor. And he did not just, not just the Day of Atonement, but he handled all sacrifices and everything that was brought there. He overseed it. He may not have had his hands in it. He may not have been the one that was cutting the thing open or, 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 or doing all the work, but he was overseeing all of that. Is everybody with me? And the Bible tells us, and this is just information that we'd have to go back into Exodus and study, but the Bible tells us that he was to wear a, ble- a breastplate. How many of y'all remember that? On that breastplate was ha- what? Somebody tell me. Twelve stones. What do the twelve stones represent, Brother Rick? The twelve tribes. But there was also a shoulder straps. What was on the shoulder straps? You're doing good. Stones again. And... Once again, it was the tribes of Israel, 12, 6, and 6. Is everybody all right? Now listen to me. So the high priest, he was to bear the burden of the people, to have them on his heart, and to carry them, intercede for them 
with the Lord. Is everybody with me? So he had the, the breastplate, the shoulder straps with all 12 names or all 12 of the tribes of Israel engraved on them. The purpose was so that the high priest would sympathize with the people. They should always be on his heart and he should always carry the burden or carry them on his shoulders into the presence of the Lord. See, see, we read the Old Testament and be like, man, why are they telling me all this junk, man? Why well, I got to learn all this stuff? And then we come to Hebrews and the book of Hebrews is like, what did I tell you the book of Hebrews was going to do? Okay, it, remember, I said this and y'all might not remember me saying this. The book of Hebrews, the purpose of it is to reconcile the Old Testament with the New Testament. And so now the writer is telling us that Jesus is our high priest. If we go back into Exodus, we find out that that high priest carried the burden of the people. And he carried a breastplate over his heart of the people. He sympathized with the people. Now, Hebrews chapter number 2, verse number 17, Miss Carrie, and verse number 18, I, I, I ain't promising you nothing, but we'll try to keep from going back and forth, all right? But two, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, and then I'm going to read verse 18, all right? And we'll, we'll, this is verse 17 is the first time we're introduced to the high priest, all right? It says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brother, brethren. Why? That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. He could carry them on his heart and on his shoulders. All right? In things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Now we go to verse number 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. He's able to aid us. He's able to, listen, to sympathize with us. Just as the high priest wore the breastplate and the shoulder straps to sympathize with the people, to carry the people, to keep them on their heart, Jesus is our high priest and he was made a man. And he suffered temptation like you and I did so that he could aid us or bring us into the presence of God as our interceder. Mm. Verse number 15. Of, uh, go back to Hebrews chapter number 4. So we're told in 14 that he is a, high pri a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. I'm running out of time, so we got to get to 15 and 16. So, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Is everybody all right? This is literally what it's saying here. He was a man just like you and I, and he went through temptations just like you and I. Say, preacher, but he never sinned. How could he go through the same temptations that I do? His, sin, or his temptation wasn't internal, as much as it was external. Now, what does that mean? You and I have a sin nature in us. <laughs> we create our own temptations. Is everybody all right? Hey, we, 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 we bad at that. 
We create our own temptations a lot of times. He didn't have that sin nature, but yet what he went through externally was more than anything you and I have ever been through. And so, because he has suffered that temptation, he cannot, the Bible says uh, 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 that he is touched. I mean, that's what it's saying. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. In other words, here we go. He sympathizes with our weakness. He can't sympathize with our sin because he's never sinned. Say, well, wouldn't he have to sin to be a better interceder or to better? No. The Bible teaches us that sin hardens. Had he sinned, he wouldn't have been as sympathetic. Does everybody understand that? So, as holy as he was and sinless as he was in the temptation, he sympathizes with our weaknesses. And he sympathizes with our, those things that tempt us, all right? Now, verse number 16, and I'm done. Maybe. Let us, therefore, all right, knowing that the Bible pierces asunder, it divides us, it tells us everything, it discerns the thoughts, the intents of the heart, everything. Nothing is hidden from God. Everything's manifest, everything is made naked. It's, it's all out in the open. The nature of man says that we run, we hide, we get away from it, we, don't, we, we, we can't come to him. The writer says, this is a different high priest. He's a great high priest in that he has actually been through what you've gone through. But yet he did it without sin. I mean, can we really truly understand temptation if we succumb to it? No, you can't. When you succumb to sin or temptation, it ends at that point. We fully can't understand the temptation unless we don't sin. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Is there any questions on that? As once you, once you succumb to it, the temptation stops. It doesn't go to another level. <laughs> Jesus never succumbed to it. And so it was a constant level, a constant intensifying, if you will. Because he had never sinned and he, and he didn't sin. So with all that being said, he can sympathize with our infirmities, our weaknesses. Those things that get us. Is everybody all right? Those things that nobody else knows, but he knows. Those thoughts, the intents of the heart, those things, those. Is everybody? So the writer ends verse chapter number four saying this. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Now you can't do that. (laughs) We can't do that if he's unable to sympathize with us. It'd be like coming before a judge (laughs) with a a crime that he has never even, even thought about making and him having sympathy on us for it. Is everybody with me? Here's what the writer's saying. Because he can sympathize with our infirmities and our weaknesses, 
you and I can still come boldly unto the throne of grace. There's two things working against us right here, okay? Two things Satan works against us on. First, he works against us on everything's known to God. He's not going to accept us, so we got to hide. Secondly, hey, he's king. He's way higher than we are. He answers both of these. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Yeah, boy, y'all know that word. Hey, that we may obtain mercy for what we've done, what we've thought, our intentions. Is everybody with me? And find grace to help in time of need. We come boldly. We don't have to hide. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to run in fear. We can come boldly, confident to the throne, knowing that he's a merciful God and he'll forgive us because he sympathizes with our infirmities. And as a high priest, he intercedes on our behalf. Is everybody all right? But that ain't all we get at the throne. We don't just get mercy. See, mercy is not getting what I actually deserve. That's right. But we just don't get that. The Bible says that we find grace. That's something that we don't deserve, but we get it anyhow. So not only do we obtain mercy, but we find grace for the purposes of helping us in our time of need. Man, I'm going to tell you all what. Hebrews chapter, man, we ought to just go through Hebrews again. We start over in Hebrews chapter 1 next week because it's been that good. You and I have a high priest, a great high priest. Ain't dead, in the grave. Don't put his pants on like you and I do. Is everybody all right? We got a high, a great high priest that has passed into the heaven, ascended into heaven, and is actively working on our behalf. And you and I can go boldly to him because he understands our weaknesses. Therefore, you and I can go boldly to him, obtain mercy, and leave with something even better. Grace to help in the next time of need. I need somebody to help me right here, which is a minute from now, all right? Because we're always, we're always battling. What I tell y'all, what I tell y'all about temptation, it's always present. It's always present. And so we need to find grace to help in our time of need. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. God, thank you for a Sunday school class. Thank you for the book of Hebrews. Lord, the teaching of our high priest. Lord, I pray that you bless our 11 o'clock service. We love you in Jesus' name we pray.